Hey guys, it's another edition of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Stowe, and you're listening to episode 25. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm starting to get buck fever. It's getting pretty close, and, but here in Georgia, we got a few more weeks before we get going, and I'm pretty excited. Uh, I've been planning it. I've got a nice little small property, about 15 acres, and it's butted up to a beautiful lake, and the property around it surprisingly enough even though there is a lot of growth going around there's build or homes being built it seems like there's still movement in the area that i'm at they're not leaving i'm seeing signs that they're sticking around uh, we've got a small little food plot and uh, the cameras are showing they're moving and they're staying and so i'm excited uh, each passing day it seems like it's just getting that much closer and every afternoon i'm just working my best to try to get out and throw some arrows down the lane and uh, make sure that uh, my form is getting better and on target. So once that opportunity of the buck or a doe comes around, I'm hoping my best shots will be presented at the time because I want to make an ethical shot. Uh, I'm pretty sure almost every bow hunter wants to do the same thing, but uh, I'm doing my part. I hope you are too. So this week we are now back to doing another bow manufacturer and what i was saying before it was going to be obsession now this was one that we've gotten a lot of requests from and surprisingly enough when i decided to reach out to the obsession bows manufacturer i was introduced to dennis the co-owner of the company and boy i can tell you this guy is down to earth he truly loves what he does they've been only around for a couple of years and but man they are making a name for themselves if you've heard of them i'm pretty sure you have but their bows are rock solid i don't think anybody else is doing the stuff that they're doing but when you get to know this guy, he truly loves what he does, and it shows through his conversation. On top of this, when it comes to knowledge, man, it's crazy how much information this guy knows and why and what he's willing to share with you. And this is while we are speaking about the bows themselves that they have currently for the 2015, the best bows for the 3D target shooter, for the hunter, and he shares about that. He even gets into a little bit of a sneak peek what to expect for 2016. Um, and then there's some news that blew my mind. I'm not going to say it here. You're going to have to listen to it. But man, this episode is going to make your heads turn when you get further into the second half of the episode. And when I have to say this, I love what I'm doing. I love creating these podcasts. I especially love it when people are coming on and asking us for people we want to reach out to and allowing me to go and find those answers. I'm so glad that I was able to get Dennis on the line. So let's just get the show going. So Dennis, I'm really glad that you're willing to come on the show and share with our listeners. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Hard day at work in the session. <laughs> I noticed that today, something that you posted on your Facebook was that uh, you have now a color fusion process built into your shop itself. Why is that? Well, the reason we brought the color fusion process in is because right now we're utilizing our partners that do color fusion, and just because of the amount of bows that we're manufacturing and the demand, uh, it's caused quite a delay on outsourcing the decorating process uh, that we offer on our bows. and. And you can imagine when there are several other boat companies that these other decorators that we're using, everybody's having to wait their turn on getting product back. Uh, accessory companies, you know, all these different site companies, clever companies, boat companies, they're all 
this color fusion process is relatively new to the industry. Uh, the old school process is what I call the water transfer, the dipping of bows. Right. Uh, it, it wears off real easy. You could take one of our bows that's done in the color fusion process, which is a heated transfer of dye onto an already powder-coated base that is on the risers. You could literally, I mean, like today when we're doing some practice runs, we took a metal bar and just started beating aside the riser, dropped it on the floor several times. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't damage the finish. Uh, now, you would actually put a dent in the aluminum, but the uh, camo would not chip off or you couldn't knock it off. So basically it's like a, a tattoo. Yeah, and with a with a dipping water transfer, which many companies are still using, your bug sprays and different things where your hand goes and sweats around the handle, you'll see it starting to wear the edges, even though it's got clear coat on it, and it has a painted clear coat finish. But this process has uh, two different powder coats done on it, so it's heat treated twice and then once we go into the color fusion process where we put the camo on there it is heat treated on there again and so are the limbs uh, so they all are going through this powder coated process it's a patented process that we do and not everybody does that uh, so it's a, it's a big deal to obsession uh, bringing it in house we'll continue to use our partners as we grow We'll continue to need our partners that help us out. But uh, I mean, when a guy orders a bow from a store and uh, we're, we're in a high demand and it's taken, you know, four to six weeks and sometimes longer to get these bows back, I mean, we're, we just seen a need for it. So we bought the equipment, paid the license agreement, and we've been training on it all weekend. And we're almost up and running on it. That's impressive. I mean, basically, you're taking the demand and realizing you're just not going to wait for it. You're going to start supplying and keeping up with the times. That's that's really cool. The demand is there, and everybody you know wants your product. But the biggest complaint we have is the wait times for an obsession bow. And and the reason there's wait times there is people that shot our bows. Uh, you're able to achieve incredible speeds with the smoothness the bed, the hand. It has a good total package of a bow that shoots well. Uh, most of the time you either buy a bow that's real fast and it's hard to shoot, or you buy a bow that's slow and really smooth. And what we've been able to put together with Kevin Struther, uh, our engineer, is some really fast shooting bows that are high performance. That The shootability of them is incredible. They're dead in the hand. They're very smooth. And I think that's what the the archers are looking for. They draw the bow back, and it's kind of a generous valley, solid wall, easy to draw back, and you get some incredible speeds, and it's quiet and dead in Well, going into, like, the the history of it, you've only been around for a few years, but you seem to be making a headstorm on people because, like, I guess the last two years, especially at the ATA, it seems like everybody's been saying that your booth has been creating the most uh, huge amount of lines because they want to shoot your bow. I mean, how does that feel knowing that you just a few years you've come into the market and you're blowing people out by storm of what product that you've made? Well, it has actually blown me away. I mean, because when I got into the industry, 
we had a design, got in and started making a bow. And the bow, uh, the bow shot good. I took it to an indoor shoot and I shot about five indoor tournaments and I actually won two of them with it. So I knew that two-track cam system, which, by the way, was invented right here in middle Georgia, where we're from. Uh, the guy that invented it is out of Warner Robins, Georgia. Of course, he now, he sold the rights to Rex Darlington. So it, the, that's, this new patent on this two-track cam, it's a very, very shootable bow, and you can get good performance out of it. And, and, and what blew us away about the whole thing is, I call it the perfect storm. We met it, we got uh, involved with Kevin Schrutter, and Kevin Schrutter come on board in 2012 with us. And uh, we went to the show with a bow, and or several bows. Just, well, I say several. We only took, like I think, like 10, 11 bows to the show. And people shot them, and, and then it just took off like a rocket. Everybody, everybody shot the bows wanted to buy the bow. <laughs> so the next year we come out with even a better bow. And then what really took off for us, we had a design. We call it the Batwing design. Uh, and we picked up the Stormy Hardwoods pattern at the same time. When I say it was the perfect storm, we had a fashionable patterns that nobody else in the industry can do. I mean, we've got exclusive rights on these these cool patterns that we put on our bows. We got the Batwing design, and when we walked into that show, and it was just a very, very fast shooting bow that just had killer looks. I mean, it had the looks of a Lamborghini when you ride by a car lot versus riding by to look at a, you know, just an average Ford or Chevrolet sitting on a lot. It, it caught people's attention. Then when they shot it, they're like, oh my God, this bow shoots like a dream. And, uh, we won the Editor's Choice Award that year with the Outdoor Life. I mean, it, it all these dealers and some of the engineers got together and shot the Botex, the Hoyts, the Elites, and all of them. They said, hey, Obsession, you know, they gave us that title in 2014 as the Editor's Choice Award winner because we had the smoothest, deadest, quickest bows that they tested. And I think the looks of the bow in the balance of it, in the feel. And, you know, and it, it's a real good feeling. And I, I'll be honest with you, when we walked into the show after probably our second year, and we, we already knew our, our second year we went in there, we're like, it just, it, 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 we knew then, we're like, oh, my God, we do have great bows. And then when uh, the next year, when Kevin and I worked on our designs and looks to the 2014 Evolution, uh, we walked into that show, and you know, I, I knew when we walked in there, I said, There's nobody gonna touch the looks of this bow, and I believe we have the best shooting bow out there because I'd already shot all the competition's bows. My people at the factory, we had shot every brand there was out there, and they said, This bow is truly the best shooting bow out there. And I said, Well, let's see how we'll receive at the ATA, and sure enough, it was a huge hit. People shot the bows and had the same feelings we had. I've been an archer for over 30 years. Uh, you know, I've shot competition archery, an avid hunter, and I've been just a diehard bow lover. So I'm not just a guy that's doing archery just because I can make money at it. I'm doing archery because I have a passion for it, 
and it just really excites me to see the end user pick up the bow and it's the best it can be. And and that's what we strive for as an obsession is and I truly want to bring to the end user the best possible product we can make. And and, and as most people know, Kevin Struthers got over thirty years in engineering and designing boats. Now how many boat companies can say they got a guy that's been engineering and designing bows that perform and shoot well for over 30 years. Now that's, if you think about it, he used to be the master designer in, you know, engineer and one of the owners of Bowtech Archery. Bowtech Archery is one of the biggest companies out there. He was the founder of Bowtech, him and a guy named John. And then, uh, you know, Elite, you know, that's why I founded Elite and Kevin designed for Elite. And then there was Struther Archery, who we own now. But I don't know, I have to say our engineer, designer, Kevin Struther, is a very talented guy. And, and yeah, it feels real good to walk into an ATA show <laughs> or anywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm at a dealer promotion this past weekend doing a meet and greet and letting people shoot our bows. And, and you know, people walk in there and it's kind of, it's really, a great feeling when they say, hey, I just traded my Matthews for an obsession last year, and I've been a Matthews lover all my life, ever since I've been shooting a bow. And then we hear guys come over from, you know, Hoyt, Bowtech, all these other companies that are, you know, that are huge companies. Yeah, they make great bows as well, but... but yeah, and they make awesome bows, but, you know, it's kind of a good feeling because you you feel like you're in a almost like in a NASCAR race every year, you've got your your top guys that you're up there with and you're right there in the winter circle each year for as a having a performing pose. And so it feels good to be in the top group, I believe, with the performance of the bows and what people like. And our biggest problem, as you well know, and you can read it all over Facebook and social media, is delivery. Their delivery sucks. We got great customer service. We do great with our customers. We build a great product, but uh, our delivery has been just horrible. Uh, now, not that we're not putting out a lot of bows. It's just that we have so many people wanting our bows, uh, and we want to deliver them. So we're putting in the processes to make it, you know, to make it happen quicker. Oh yeah, I mean the sl- supply and demand. It just shows, even though you might have this little nit or issue. It's not a bad issue. It's just telling people why people want your bow, and you know they have to wait for it. It's a it's a surprise. It's the anticipation, and if they're going to get something like this, and they realize that everybody else is going for it as well, there is going to be a wait. Well, you know, it's a good and it's a bad problem. You know that people actually wait that long on a bow. We hate it. They we an obsession. Want people? There's nobody wants to have their bows any worse than we do. And it's a bad feeling to us when these dealers call us, man, I've got to have these bows. These people are just going nuts to get these bows. What can you do for me? And that's that's every other phone call. And it bothers me. That's the reason we took on an investment group this year. That makes sense. Well, you know, going into the different types of bows you have, I think you have now it's a, a Delta 6. It's your 2015 Special Ops Edition. And um, right. going into the variations of your bows, you have different pr- uh, price points. And I guess assuming this is your the top of the line for your bow for this year, is that correct? Well, yes and no. The Delta 6, you know, we rated it a little slower than it actually 
shoots, it actually shoots about two foot uh, second faster than our Fusion 6. Our top seller is the Fusion 6 this year because it's a 32-inch axle to axle. Now, the Delta 6 is burning it up pretty good, but it is a shorter axle-to-axle bow, and it doesn't appeal to everybody. Now, the sale, don't get me wrong, the sales are strong there on the Delta 6 because it is a 28 and 9 sixteenths axle-to-axle bow, and it's extremely fast, and it has the same characteristics as our Evolution and Fusion 6 as far as the, the dead in the hand, the quietness. The draw cycle's a little bit stiffer than the Fusion 6 or our Fusion 7 and Phoenix, our longer axle-to-axle models. Uh, but the, the little Delta's been a, it's been a big hit because it's the perfect tree stand bow, and it's small, compact, and extremely fast. That thing, I, there, there's not a slow delta out there. I mean, those things just got shoot some amazing speed. <laughs> Knowing that, uh, as in myself, like I'm a Matthews uh, user, and then if I was going into transferring over to uh, Obsession Bow, knowing the design definitely looks radical, especially the way you have the, you're talking about the bat wings. Um, how does yes. that affect when it comes to pre-purchased or things that I've already have on my current bow? And if I wanted to, you know, bring on a CBE sight or my drop away rest, I mean, does everything pretty much link up or is there some modifications oh, yeah. that have to be done? No, no, the, you know, that anything that you've got set on your Matthews, Hoyts, PSC, Botex, they all fit where, you know, perfect on our bows. Uh, we haven't had any issues with anybody uh, having their accessories fit on. Now, with the uh, Stormy Hardwoods pattern, the camo, uh, we've got a lot of different accessory companies are now having their sights and quivers and stabilizers done in this pattern. And, and then, you know, if a guy's got it and can't find the perfect accessory he wants, uh, let's say it's an HHA, um, they don't do our camo, but, you know, what, HHA, they're all black. They they go on any color mode. Yeah. I don't know that I've seen a camo HHA, and, but HHA is, you know, and sword sites. Uh, there's Centurion and some of these different sites out there that are real popular. They had a lot of people put their sites on there that are in black, and I've seen black quivers. But we've got all of our patterns. Uh, uh, we've got accessory companies, uh, Axion and... Uh, I think there's, oh Lord, there's so many of those uh, stabilizer companies, Dead Center, which is a real popular one. They do our patterns, uh, tree limb, quivers, sword sights. Uh, so there's there's several companies out there that are doing the patterns to oh, match great. our bows. That's really good. So of, they can basically, you know, they're not having to stick with the standard camo. They can really go with what you have uh, with the same uh, style and pattern that you have with the bow itself. And that's correct. And, you know, it's a 2016, a little sneak peek. We're uh, looking to offer the major brand camos as well as the stormy patterns that everybody's crazy about that has this cool look to it. So that way if a guy is looking to get, you know, let's say it's a real tree, extra hardwoods green, Obsession is working on uh, license agreements now there with them and Mossy Oak. So what we've decided to do at Obsession if you walk into a store or even to a booth at ATA show, if you walk by the booths and look, and I did this at the show, I walked around and looked at all the boat companies. They all look very similar, and but when you go in there to look at them, you can see the difference in the bows. But 
from the consumer or the dealer's eye appeal when they walk by obsession. We've been real creative, what I call trendy patterns that they look at. I mean, it really, really catches the consumer or the dealer's eye. Just because the eye appeal of our bows brought people into the booth. And if you go on our Facebook page and look at all the different setups and looks at what our stuff looks like, they are very, very eye appealing. If you notice in this day and age when people buy equipment, they're real passionate about their bows, but they're also passionate about the way they look, they shoot, and they like to show them off on the Internet. So when you've got something that's really cool looking, what are they going to do? They're going to Facebook it, share it, show their buddies. And, and if you look at what we got, see, we all, we offer the, the red cams with the stormy hardwoods, that black, white, and red deer skull pattern. You can get these bows with orange cams. You can get them with black cams. You get all these different string colors. Does, does any of the other boat companies offer that? I'm not sure if they do or not. I don't. The variety out there, you know, that we've got, and I think that's the niche for us. And going into 2016, we're going to widen that variety since we brought Color Fusion in and give the consumer anything they ask for, any pattern they ask for. If they say, I want cryptic, we make sure that they get cryptic. If they say, I want Stormy Hardwoods Original, or I want real tree extra green, or I want mossy oak brush country. Obsession's going to offer it. Will any of the other boat companies do that? I, I wouldn't think it. so. I yeah. I, and, and because why? It is a it's, it is a nightmare on the skews to do it, but I think at Obsession Bows, that's what's got us where we're at, is because we we stepped outside of the box with the looks of the bows, and since they shoot well, why not? Make them look good. Yeah, you're giving the true custom bow to the end user. And the that, like you were saying earlier, everybody wants that ability to almost, in a sense, be the one upsmanship. Look what I got that you don't have. Oh, you got the same bow that next door person has. Oh, you, every day, everybody down the line has the same exactly. bow. Look what I have. And I totally get it. I think that just that's a really cool, intriguing way because – now you're allowing that end user to be like, what do you want? This is not just we have three or four different colors. This is 31 flavors. Tell us what you want. And it lets them truly dial in the look and feel that makes them, the aesthetics fit that person. It makes it like a part of them versus just something they buy and use. Well, looking into the the different styles that you have, I think you have about eight different models. And That's correct. Looking at most, a lot of people do hunting, and then they also have the 3D targets and then archery for competition. When it comes to your bow, is there one particular model that's more suitable for, let's say, the competition shooter versus someone that's going to be an outdoor hunter or one that can do both? Well, I would say the Addiction OBB is the perfect 3D and hunting bow. The addiction, now, we have stepped it up a little bit with the shoot-through riser boat. Now, we tried to introduce that thing at the beginning of the year, and we didn't complete that boat because of the machining capabilities. Well, it's going to be ready for 2016 and have it ready for this tournament season. Uh, now, it is a 36-and-a-half-inch axle axle. It is a true 3D competition boat. Now... Hmm. I shot tournaments last year when we come out with the Evolution. I went to every local tournament I could go to. 
I started off shooting the Phoenix, which was a seven-inch brace out of the boat, and I'm a 28-inch trawl. I dropped back to shoot the Evolution, which is a six-inch brace. And in the open division, I won several shoots in the just on the local shoots, running around to the tournament shooting a six-inch brace. So the, there, those two tracks on a six-inch brace out of the boat for 3D are very, very, very forgiving and extremely fast. Jeff Hasenfield with uh, Twisted Times Archery, he won some legs of the IBO with a 6-inch brace height evolution, 32-inch axle axle, and he won the Ohio State Championship shooting the 6-inch, and he had always shot 7-inch brace, 35-inch axle axle mode. So he picked up that evolution and he was driving tax with it. Cause he's sitting back here holding about eight and a half pounds, you know, shooting 65 pounds, high let off, generous valley, and he was driving tax on distance shooting. And I've shot indoor with my uh, evolution at 32 inches axle to axle. So I think any of those bows from 32 inch up are just awesome 3D bows. If you're doing 3D, that 32-inch axle axle bows, they're unbelievable shooting because, I mean, I'm shooting, I was shooting like 56 pounds and to get my ASA speeds, I was shooting a 28-inch draw with 56 pounds and I was shooting in the high 280s with, you know, right at a 340-grade arrow, which was screaming. And the bow, and I was shooting almost no poundage, 56 pounds with a 28-inch draw. <laughs> so I was shooting way heavy arrow uh, for the poundage, but it was such comfort shooting on a 3D course, and I could sit there and hold it forever, and I shot it indoor. I could sit there and shoot a 305 spot, you know, with 50-something Xs, and that's nothing to sneeze at, especially with a 6-inch brace height boat. So, yeah, we offer the the eight different models, but it's all about what what somebody likes, and uh, it's real. But, you know, our number one seller was the and still is the 16-inch brace height, 32-inch axle axle bow. That seems to be the bow that people love for hunting and 3D. I guess you classify Obsession as a high-speed bow, is that correct? Yes, I think we're we're not up there when, I, when you say high-speed. You've got some of the, I'll give you an example, PSC. They're mm-hmm. probably the fastest production bow out there. Okay. Uh, the full throttle. I think there's another one called uh, APA Archery, I think is either right uh, yeah, head to head about, with them. I was about to say APA, they're right up there. Now, I think far as comfort and smoothness with speed, I think we had the, we have the most comfortable speed bow out there. Now, with that being said, we're getting a lot of speed out of a really comfortable shooting, easy-to-shoot, forgiving bow, and that's what we're after. We're after speed, but we want the shootability to go with the speed. So when we come out with the Fusion, Fusion is a blend of performance and shootability. And that's that was our you know, target. You as an archer, if you're hunting, you, you want to be able to shoot a fast bow, but you want to be able to draw it back and have a nice valley and sit there and hold on a... I mean, like last year, I had a, a really nice 10-point buck walk up I drew back on him. I'm shooting a 70-pound evolution. Well, he was 
got he was broadside, then all of a sudden he turned to, uh, and started facing me. I sat there and held the boat, I mean, absolutely forever, and then I actually kept it held back to ease it to my side and just held it there, watching him, and then when he turned, I, I think I, it seemed like I held that boat forever. You can't do that with some boats. Yeah, I can get that. Some of them have, even though they might have a hard back wall, it seems like they want to, if you just give a little bit, it's going to start taking your arm because it wants to release. And that is that draw force curve that achieves those speeds. If you've got no valley and it's on go, then you have what we call the draw force curve. If you draw a boat back that pulls, let's say, 70 pounds, if it grabs immediately 70 pounds, and then all the way through the draw cycle, you get to the valley and you got a teeny bit of valley, that boat's going to be extremely fast, but it's not controllable speed. And uh, so the longer you can hold your pounders through the draw force curve, yes, the more speed you can get. So what we try to do, if you read Aerotrade, we were in on the top with a couple other boat companies on speed of the boats they tested. But we had a very generous and smooth performing bow when it was shot. They they were able to take the bow and measure uh, average performance and in arrow speeds. And uh, if you look at arrow trade, that's where everybody they go through the same chronograph, same arrow, same draw length, and they're put head to head, and they they show the vibration output, this noise output, the speeds. And, and that, that arrow test I really like because, you know, you can take a bow and go for five different shops and they all shoot five different speeds through five different chronographs. And then you may take a bow in there that's pulling, let's say it's supposed to be a 70 pound bow and because it's been shot a little bit, it's down to 66, 67 pound because, you know, strings and cables, they will stretch on. And so you walk in, you shoot your bow that's supposedly pulling 71, 72 pounds, and you shoot through a chronograph, and it's, let's say it's 12, 15 foot a second slow, you're like, well, well, wow, my bow's slow, what's going on? Then, you know, a guy picks up another bow, shoots it through the chronograph, well, this is a 70 pound bow, and I'm shooting 5 foot a second faster than you are 10 foot. you got to put them on a drawboard check poundages, and when you put them head-to-head, you know, I think we do extremely well on speeds. Uh, but uh, I like the smoothness with the speed and the comfortability on the bow to make a speed boat. Going into the, the design, with the, the grip itself, you know, a lot of people have a huge importance when they decide to choose a bow. It's all about the grip. And what style is it that yours is? Is yours more of a, a thin design, or like what's the, the, the direction towards I'm, that? I'm going to say it's kind of in the middle. It's it's real, it's a real comfortable, almost like you can put uh, your finger and your thumb around it, and, and, and it seems like that's all that you feel in that area. It's, it's not bulky. It doesn't have a, a real fat feeling, and to me it's not real thin because I've picked up some of the bows that have the real thin grip that want to almost bear into your hand that, that actually on 70 pounds hurt. These are real comfortable. I'll tell you what we did in 2012. We had a grip design, and when we come out with it, everybody on the Internet, this doesn't feel like it should to me. I think it needs to feel more like this. 
and and for the first month right after the ATA show, you know, people shot at the ATA show. They loved them. Well, we made we had made some changes on the production model, thinned up the grip just a little bit, and then when it got out there immediately. People said, hey, this grip's a little too thin for me. It's not as comfortable. To me, it felt great. But the end user, we had several of them say, hey, it's too thin. We changed machining and setup on producing those bows within two months of the year by listening to them. What Obsession does, we got guys that blog on the Internet, do nothing but get on there and read reviews, read what people are saying about the bows, and we address, like the grip, we address it right away. So when we hear things at Obsession, we let the end user such as yourself make the decision on our next year's product. We listen to what these dealers say at the ATA show. There's nobody standing in that booth that's not keying in on the what dealers and consumers, anybody that's walking up there shooting those bows. And then throughout the year, we listen to what they say about Hoyt, PSC, Botech, Matthews, everybody, and we compile the information that we've taken from the Internet, and we take and design the bows for the following year on what we're hearing that people are looking for, what they like, and what they don't like. You know, there's something to say about that, because if you think about it, what you're allowing is because you are a fairly new company, you're giving the opportunity that some of these other companies have been around for a while, they're, they have a certain method, a certain model and design they have to kind of stick within. But because you're so new, you have this opportunity to change the direction uh, that best fits the need of the end user without having such a, a huge ripple effect. It allows you to be more effective for that person that's going to buy the bow without having so much of a hiccup because in the same result, you're making slight modifications near the very end, right before the production starts. And big you know, companies have been around for a lot longer. They don't have that, that opportunity. So it gives you that ability to be more aggressive. Well, you know, we had a gentleman that worked in our booth this year that worked for our, another archery manufacturer, and he was a, one of the higher-ups in another archery manufacturer. And and I said, I said, i got to ask you something, you know, because we're, we're relatively new at this. I said, we are so focused on the end user of what they say and what they're looking for. That's what drives obsession is what you, the outdoorsman, is looking for in a boat. And we put all this information together, and we don't we don't make the decisions on what this bow should be like. We're letting the people in the field their feedback basically guide us in the direction we're going. And I asked the gentleman that was working for us at ATA this year. I said, "Could you tell me why this company used to work for us? Said, why aren't they even chasing any of the performance in the industry?" He said, "Well." I don't know if, I think they have the capabilities to it, but the president of the company stated to everybody, said, we will never build a speedboat. We're not interested in a boat that's fast. All we want to make is, you know, a 320 to 330 bow, maybe a 335, but that's the max. That's all we're ever going to go after. We're not going to make this wild-looking risers. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. This is what we're going to do, and I will never do this. You know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a broadhead company years ago. I used to know the owners of it. They said, "Hey, 
we'll never make an expandable. We will never, ever introduce an expandable into this industry. And expandables took over until the day that that company sold. They never were involved with an expandable. But you see, but you see the trend. You can't close the door on the direction that the industry is going. Oh, you yeah. can't. You, you can't do that. So you know, we everybody out there was looking for pure speed. They didn't care what a bow shot like. That's what we did deliver. But we hear too many people say, well, hey, I bought so-and-so's bow. Man, that bow is really fast, but God, I can't shoot it. Or I bought so-and-so's bow. Man, that's the deadest, sweetest thing out there that, you know, I can throw a rock faster than it can shoot. I wish they'd give me some smoothness and speed and performance. And, and that's what we that's what we're all about at Obsession is delivering, you know, delivering what you guys are asking for. Now, if the industry wasn't asking for a smooth shooting fast bow, we'd leave it alone. We'd just build a, a mediocre, okay bow, just something that looks good and try to, uh, I mean, because it, there's a lot goes in to try and pick up a few feet every year. That was actually going to be my next question, was that you know, because speed is, even today, it seems like there is a driving force. People do want the speed, but you're getting the speed as well as the comfort. How, like, what is next when it comes to speed? Because doesn't it seem like the, the nowadays the speed is almost topped at its highest peak level? And if that's the case, how do we, you know, how does the companies like yourself adjust to that? Well, I remember back in the 80s where it was such a drive to hit the 300 mark, the 300 foot a second. And, uh, you know, what could we do? to get to 300. Everybody, well, everybody went to overdraws, little skinny light arrows, and, you know, people that you know may not even know, what in the heck's overdraw? Well, you know, overdraw and is, you know, something you put on the back, shorten the arrow the speed, that you make it stiffer so you can shoot higher speeds. But, uh, you know, there's, I think with the, uh, what's going to have to happen to, to gain, I mean, we're going to gain more speed going into next year. I mean, we're already working on it. We've, we've already got stuff developed to achieve more speed without sacrificing the comfort. So we'll push the envelope a little further. And, you know, what we'll anticipate for 2016, you know, is a project that we've been working on for about three years that will just, and I, I just think it'll blow the industry's doors off when we get it done. But it's, it's, you know, something very futuristic. It's, it kind of has it all. It, you know, it's got that super uh, off-the-chain speed and still have the smoothness. But it, it's something that we're looking at way out into 2017. But I think as limbs get better, uh, there'll be, uh, you can bet there'll be, there's new string materials already out there for 2016 that we'll be delivering. There's new things that are out there that will enhance the speeds of the bows that we have now. So, But you're right. It's, it's kind of, I mean, you see the 340s and 50s starting to be the peak if you're going to keep something smooth and achieve it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of work to get an extra. People don't realize it, but, you know, when, we, when you shoot up four, five foot a second, Without doing something stupid to the string, or, or and if you maintaining the same arrow weight, same smoothness, and all to get an extra four foot, it's really tough. But 
but Obsession will achieve more speed for 2016. One of the questions I haven't actually asked anyone yet, but I've always been wondering, is that when you do come up with the next year's model, how many revisions or how many designs do you normally go through and through almost a full manufacturing set where you have a full functional bow and shoot it and say, yes, that's what we're going to make for the next year? Like, How many of those designs do you go through to ensure that that's the one? Well, I'll tell you this. Kevin Strutter, just like some of the stuff where, you know, we worked on for this year, and, and instead I'll just say like what we're working on for next year right now. And uh, in, in, in 2015, before 2015 got there, we made, I'll give you an example, we made the Perfect system for the Obsession cam. And what we did with that Perfect system, we moved the draw stop post to the opposite side of the cam. Now, what that allowed was, you know, when you make the cams bigger and you start to speed them up, all bows have a little bit of cam lean. I don't care what brand it is. You can have cam lean and you got to, there's different ways. Uh, cam lean's not always a bad thing, okay? If you take certain bows out there, it doesn't matter what manufacturer it is. They, some of them will paper tune unless there's a little bit of cam lean in the bow. Uh, and like I said, that's not a bad thing unless it's terribly bad and it's wearing a string on the bow. But we put that perfect system on the mod side of the bow. Now, what it allowed us to do, that's the side it pulls down on the the limb more than the other side. So what that allowed is that draw stop post to come up there, hit it, and it applies pressure to it and puts that bow back, that cam back perfectly straight at full draw, which actually made the bow point better on target uh, the, where the cam stop was. Now, I'll give you an example. Each module drawing, sometimes there's seven to 10 revisions on that one draw length to get your draw force curve, your let off, where it's holding the peak weight, and the bow is smooth to shoot, and it's fast. Now, if you go through the different draw lengths, there were some bow manufacturers this year that come out with some cams and then their adjustable modules, and, and, and let me tell you, if you take some adjustable modules with rotating mods, what happens on a bow is it might pull on a 27-inch draw one poundage, and on that rotating mod, you move it to a 30-inch, and it gains poundage, and you lose speed, you're going to sacrifice one thing or the other. We spent a lot of time making sure that that 26-inch draw has the same draw force curve the same smoothness, the same let off as the 30 inch draw because each module and each draw length, if you, and it takes hours and days and days on each one to be able to take it, shoot it now. And then, and and then if you got to have one to have it in all the draw lengths with that deflection limb, make all the same poundage, and have basically relatively the same let off in the same field. There's a lot of things go into that design to make it happen. Because when you design a riser and you slap your design limb pockets on there and your limbs and you design that cam, you've got to go back. And if you're good like Kevin Strother, you'll get it real close. But even Kevin, he'll go back and he'll say, okay, I need to adjust the riser 
this way a little bit. I need to change the limb angle this way. This limb's performing this way. It will achieve more speed if I put a little more parallelness into the limb. I've got to change the draw force, draw force curve on this cam and module just a little bit. I've got to change this. So yeah, in in just for one draw length. So we're going through I'm just a total nightmare on getting one draw length to be perfect. But I've watched some of the manufacturers out there. If you if you really study some of the birds out there, the draw lengths may be a little off on one. Let's say a 28 might pull 28 and a quarter, but a 29 will be dead on, or a 30 will be just shy of 30, or it'll be 30 and a half. But we make sure that ours are perfect on every draw length on a draw board. They've got the perfect let off, got the generous valley, and to achieve those things, it takes a well-seasoned engineer instead of somebody guessing at it just to get a bow on the market. I guess the putting in the effort, the making you do all the hard work at the beginning it creates this really almost a masterpiece at the end. Exactly, because if you walk around at the ATA show and you shoot bows, and, and that's why you see some do, you know, a small amount of sales, and then you see some do. A, some will market their way to the top, and you can spend millions of dollars on marketing anything and get people to buy it. Oh yeah, and, 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 I mean that's just the fact. It's like uh, the Coca Cola and McDonald effect. The more time you see it, it, fin- it finally just embeds it. Like that's what I want. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Now, what's changed the industry? And I know you've seen it. I mean, like we're doing this interview right here and how we're doing it. You couldn't, might, could, not could have done this 10 years ago. But what I saw happen when Obsession come on board was social media, Facebook, Instagram, the perfect storm to launch a product and have people talk about it because the, the, the number one way to get a product out there, if you make the best product, what's going to happen is the guy's going to get it, he's going to shoot it, He's been blown away about how she's, guess what he does? Instagrams it. Mm-hmm. Facebooks it. Texts his pictures. Posts his own forums. It's already all over the world before you could ever have it printed or before you could ever get it on television. It's, it's the best word of mouth out there. Social media has done more for advertising a great product than anything in the world. And this is what is got archery manufacturers striving to do a better job than what they've been doing, some of them. And if they don't, they're going to go... I'm not saying they're going to go out of business, but they're going to continue to lose market share. If archery manufacturers don't start listening to the end users of what you guys are asking for, and then and, and then throughout the year, listening to what you're wanting or what they didn't like, and you don't make it better... The next year, you will get left behind. Yeah, there's a perfect example. If you think even outside the outdoor industry, you have the best example, which is Blockbuster and Netflix. When Netflix slowly came out, Blockbuster says, we're never going to do online uh, sales. And it was only a year later, they went out of business. because And Netflix blew up because they could offer both. I've watched this social media thing just go blow up. Because it's instant to see. If you make a great product, the world instantly knows because people are going to share it. 
if you make a horrible product, the world's instantly going to know. Now, you know, ATA, you know how big ATA is, the Super Bowl archery. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, and I, I to me, I, I mean, I felt kind of proud the last, last three years. I felt like from what we've seen and talked to, you know, uh, dealers said, hey, you got the best bullet show. We, we kept hearing that from dealers. Now, you know who's coming back to the ATA this year? Who? Matthews. Whoa, whoa, are you serious? Yep, they're coming back to the ATA. It was announced, and unless I read it wrong, uh, Matthews is coming back to the ATA. Wow. And I think they, I think they have to come back, in yeah, my opinion. That, I, uh... I think they've got a <laughs> choice to come back to the ATA. Uh, it's an archery trade association. Every archery manufacturer is there. Matthews was a Fortune 500 company, grew real quick. They advertised millions and millions of dollars, and and everybody jumped. I mean, you, you know, Matthews dominated with a solo cam, and and so they started their own show and got away from ATA. Well, you know, I'm not by no means. I think Matthews makes a great bow. I think they their their no cam shoots good. I mean, it's not for me. It's a little on the slow side, but uh, but the bow. <laughs> Is, it's dead. I mean, that joker is dead. I shot one at a dealer the other day. I said, "Oh my God, that thing's dead." I mean, it really, it really was. I mean, it didn't draw, draw any better than our bow, but the bow was dead. But, uh, but you know, but I think Matthews seen the need that they had to come back to. I guess I, I would say it's got to be the to gain more business and yeah get a little meat in the game career. get part of uh, where everything's happening that makes sense yeah and you know and, and that solo cam was the hit of the archery industry when they come out with it it shot good I mean it, it, they advertised it never come out of time well there's nothing to time it by you've got an idler wheel up top and a cam at the bottom so yeah it won't but you know what string you're not travel moving it was, I call it coming out of tune. Uh, but but the solo cam did Matthew's wonders, and, and I know Matt's got to be tickled to death with how well he's done with it. And he rose to the top very quickly and uh, dominated the industry. You know, and he bought up all the shooters and, you know, filled the 3D fields up with Matthew's shooters. And, and you know, and it's, but, but, I, but I think, he, you know, it's probably good they do come back to the show. Well, that actually is a perfect transition to what I was going to ask you is that you do have a split limb uh, design with dual cams. My personal, I'm a Matthews user and, and I've been using the solo cam. And so right. transitioning from, I've I've always had in my mind, and this has just been programming, that dual cams can is a lot harder to keep time that you have to always maintain. So I was like, well, if I'm going to get another bow, I want to make sure it's still a solo, a uh, slim limb design. And so I've always been looking around different manufacturers who build them. And I noticed that you have a dual cam split limb for someone like myself and for listeners that are in the same boat looking for a new bow and even interested in looking at the obsession. Uh, what's the best way to explain like the transition going from a solo cam, a slim limb design to a dual split limb design? How is the transition with that from going from one to the other? Well, when Obsession first came out, we had a solid limb, Barnsdale solid limb. Now, we mm-hmm. built those with a two-track two cam system. 
far as limb failure, I had a lot more limb failure with my solid limb and had more cam lean with my solid limb than I did with my split limb. Now, the machining process that goes into them, they're machined the same. The deflections are done the same way. Uh, but when we, you know, the split limb design, the way those were made, I've, we've, done, we've had almost, I mean, 80 pounds, we've had, you know, some limb failure there. Just, I mean, when you say limb failure, you got to remember that everything's man-made. So uh, you, you've seen us stuff all over the Internet about all the different companies. You've seen somebody bunker a limb or split a limb. But we've almost, even on dry fires, almost never on a dry fire, I don't even think we've ever had a bow dry fire that's had limb failure. It would always bend the cam, but we wouldn't have limb failure. But if I had a dry fire on my solid limb boat back in 2010, my limb would crack always. Hmm. Now, so when we went to the split limb design, we we never had, you know, I, I mean, almost never have limb failure. So that was a very important or a big change for us because when we started not getting limb failure on dry fires and we seen that, I said, you know what, this, this, these limbs are truly better. And we seen less cam lean out of them. Now, when you talk about a solo cam versus a, uh, a let's say, a two cam, there's, you got a hybrid cam, you've got a solo cam, and uh, you've got the two track. Now, the two track, well, let me, let me start off with your solo cam. Okay. Your solo cam, if anything stretches on it, your knock travel is going to move, okay? Okay. Your knock's going to move, and your impact high and low is going to, because you've got a really, really long string on a no cam, am I correct? Yes. The, all the wrapping around it does, and if anything moves, you, your knock travel's going to move. Okay, on a hybrid, you got two... All the bows that have the hybrids, you got one. You got a yoke on one end, and no yoke at the other end. They're not mirror image cams. They're different size cams. You're gonna, they're gonna require, in my opinion, just from dealing with them, a little more tuning and timing than you would even with a solo cam. Okay. Okay. Now, a solo cam doesn't come out of time because you got nothing to time it by. There's not a, there's not a an equal wheel at the bottom. You're not having anything for the rotation is, you know, you've just got an idler wheel. But if you go over to the hybrid cam, you've got timing, you've got a yoke system, and you've got, you can control cam lean by twisting one of your yokes on one side of the cam or taking twist out of the other side to straighten the cam up if you were to have that issue. Now, on the two-track cam, which is the latest invention out there of cams, the two-track cam is a dual-sync cam. They're mirror image cams from top to bottom. They're the same. The top cam is exactly the same as the bottom. You've got the same length cables on top as you do as on the bottom. So when the cams, the string or cable stretch, they move together. You may lose a pound or two or I've seen some lose as much as three pounds, you're not going to change knock travel on a two-track cam system, which is your impact of the arrow downrange at 30 and 40 yards. I think the two-track cam, if you take a two-track, you take a hybrid, you take a solo cam, 
and you shoot all these side by side, same poundage, same let off, everything. A hybrid, you can get a little more speed out of a hybrid. You get a lot less speed out of a solo cam. You get very good speed out of a two-track, but the one that's probably going to give you the least amount of timing issues or tuning issues, I think, is the two-track. Right now, you've seen um, uh, that guy, Levi Lift Matthews. Yeah. They hired him over to Went Elite, to Elite, and he's right. shooting Elite. He went over to Elite. He's done just as good as he did over at Matthews on his shooting, okay? Now, did it give credibility to the two-track cam? That's the same cam systems on the obsession. You know, we've uh, you've got several companies out there that license that two-track cam from Rex Darlington, which we call him the godfather of patents. But uh, there's a bunch of... Uh, yeah, a lot of companies using the two-track cam system right now. You know, us, Elite, Winchester, Newbreed. I mean, there's, there's a list of them that are using that cam, but they're mirror image cam, and they've got dual let-up and dual take-up simultaneously together, so it it makes them super easy to shoot, and uh, once you time the bow, uh, we time them before they ever leave the factory, and we shoot every one of them and bullet hole them to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to, not to say that one won't get out of there that wasn't perfectly bullet holed. Uh, but we, we do reprimand our guys if they let one go out and they didn't paper test the boat. But we put them in time before they leave. But I know from working on the solos, the hybrids, and all of them, I, in my opinion, the two-track cam is by far the easiest cam system in the industry to to maintain timing, uh, your tuning for his fooling with the cam lane, anything else in the industry and for both for us picking it up today and three weeks from now and not having to touch it and mess with it and shooting in the exact same spot i think the two tracks your boat and uh and that is offered on like i said several boat companies but see the license agreements on the the solo cam those are done and over that patents up if i want to go make a solo cam I don't have to pay anybody to use it. If I want to go make a hybrid cam, I don't have to license that from nobody. But to make the two-track cam, I have to pay a license agreement because that's the latest invention of cams that are out in the industry. Now, it's the newest technology is the two-track cam. So Bay Archery, uh, from what I understand, are the ones that invented the solo cam that Matthews has. Now, that may or may not be correct, but from what I've read up on it, that's who in act truly invented that solo cam. But regardless whether Matthews or Bear offered it, that that's up. Anybody can go out and make a solo cam right now and, and not have to pay a royalty fee on it. You know, I had no idea that was like that. I mean, I I, I knew that there are certain things people use uh, patents from different companies and uh, for creation, but I had no idea that when it came to the cam systems that almost every bow manufacturer seems like they're having to use it from some other company that wasn't their own tradition or their own uh, product in line. That is, that's interesting. That, that, that is, that's correct. Now, now Bowtech uses a three-track binary cam. Guess what? They're the only ones that gets to use it because Rex Darlin licensed it exclusively 
to Botex. So you don't see that on no other company. Two tracks you see on a bunch of them. Solos you see on a bunch of them. Hybrids are all over the place. You know, you got Hoyt, Expedition, TSCs. You got, uh, when Browning used to be out, used to do a hybrid. But you got, I could use a hybrid tomorrow if I wanted to. But everybody's paying somebody for something. Now, <laughs> our patents that Kevin Struthers owns, you know, their obsessions, uh, you know, he's he's designed the stuff for us. It's ours. Uh, like that perfect system to draw stop, that's ours. There's even patents on uh, the size bearings uh, housing you can use on cams now. There's patents on the flex guards. The roller guard, believe it or not, high country invented the roller guard. Huh. You know, and I, I mean, I put a roller guard on uh, Obsession when I first came out with them. I thought Matthews had a patent on them. I was going to have to license it. And Spencer Land said, no, that's my patent. It doesn't belong to Matthews. I didn't know that. But it's kind of interesting that all these different things you see out there, like Larson owns a lot of patents out there. That right now, he just got through suing, uh, I think, G5 and Elite and somebody else over some cam bearing housing. Uh, and then I think G5 went after Elite on something. But these guys are bouncing around. I mean, you see all these different uh, companies to each other over a patent and or, or some, a prior invention that they got a patent on later. Like, you know, a manufacturer will send you a letter and said, hey, I'm putting you on notice, you're using this, and I invented this, uh, we need to talk, and then it's up to the president of the company and his attorneys to say, okay, do they have a legitimate conversation or does it have no merit to it? And if you ignore it, and then later they want to come back and seek damages, you know, a lot of times these companies can come back on you and make you pay, you know, several hundred thousand dollars because you ignored them when they said they owned a certain patent that you were using. So in the bow industry, there's so many patents. They're used to, PSE used to own the patent on, uh, where the air, you see the arrow shaft where it's cut out, the shaft of the riser where the ball, broadhead passes through there, yeah. where it has a little indention. That's a PSC patent. The people had to license it from PSC. The, uh, the parallel, beyond parallel, PSC owns that patent on how much a limb can bend over. That's There's crazy. Many, <laughs> and all of it, yeah. I mean, they, they own, there's so many, different cam patents out there's so many patents in the archery industry that when you go to design something and you got something new you got to file for a patent for it and research it because if you come out with it somebody else's can actually go out and patent it and take it from you and stop you from using it wow so i mean basically going into when you jumped in decided to make your own bow i mean you didn't just say like hey i have this cool idea there's so much involved and that kind of goes back into the price factor I mean, it's not just you have a bow and you have certain products and you've come up with a price. There's so much involved outside of your control that, you know, that's when the the prices and everything comes into play uh, to pay for all the expenses outside of your own development. You got royalty fees on camo. You got license agreements on patents. You got engineering costs. You got the CNC machine costs. You got your, there's so much overhead. (laughs) And then to go on top of it, there's a 11% federal excise tax. If a dealer, let's say a dealer pays you $800 for the boat, you've got to pay the federal government quarterly 
$80 per boat that that dealer bought. That's crazy. I mean, we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in federal excise tax every year to the this. You got to pay 11% on every boat sold at not our cost, but what we sold it for. So, you know, that is, that's a bunch of money. And then, of course, now here's where it goes. It goes to your your hunting land, your boat landings, your parks. I mean, everywhere the federal government spends money, that's where it goes. Here's some of your colleges, your archery things that they do there. Part of that federal exercise tax goes there. But it's an enormous amount of money. Too bad uh, you can't find a way to allow bows to be a part of the tax-free weekend. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, somehow you can just say, this is an educational device that people use in school, and so it should be tax-free. That's right. Well, they do use them in school. It ought to be tax-free. <laughs> It seems like that, you know, being a bow manufacturer, it's almost like I could have a whole nother podcast specifically on just what's involved to be a manufacturer, even getting into this type of industry. But uh, it's fascinating to know that it's not as easy as what you might think. You can't just go and draw something cool looking and be like, oh, I'm going to build this. You have so much overhead, so much other uh, research and development. And then there's the cost. It's just... It's a, a heap that anybody would even think to take, but it's incredible that you did, and you've come up with an amazing bow, and by what it looks like is that people are going nuts over it, and uh, I can't wait till see what the 2016 is coming out. And In fact, we're going to be at the ATA, so hopefully I'll be able to try out the new bows that you have. And um, it's I, I honestly think, I know we kind of went over the, the time, I hope we didn't take too much of it, but it's been really a major pleasure having you on the line because you are like really down to earth. You're the owner of the company and you were willing to come on the show, talk to our listeners and share what you have to, to say. And it wasn't just about the bows. It's a, it's everything. And it, it allows, I think myself and the people that are listening, how much you really do care about this industry and uh, the passion that you have. Well, you know, my, my passion is, you know, I want to deliver what it's all about what you guys are looking for in the industry, what you like, what you don't like and what you'd like to have and fill a wish list for the for the future instead of just saying, okay, here it is, if you like it, then buy it. If you don't, then don't worry about it. Now, we're, we're all about you guys liking what we make. Well, uh, with that, I mean, it's been really a, a major pleasure having you on the line and uh, sharing with us, and I do appreciate the time that you've given. And um, I, if, if anything, I'd love for you to come back on the show. And some of the things you've been uh, talking about, I'd love to pick your brain more in because it's, it's really, it's fascinating. Well, anytime, you know, you, you give me a call, we glad and I'll share some things with you because, you know, we've got some other companies we're involved in that we've, you know, brought to the market that maybe we could share with you some. We, we, we've got a scent company. You may want to know some things about how that's done. You know, we can... We can tell you a little bit about that if your listeners are interested in whitetail scents. Uh, of course. We do have, uh, we've got some information, and uh, I've been in archery and hunting, you know, for, ugh, I hate to tell on my age, for so, uh, over 30 years and been passionate about it, especially bow hunting. So, And I'm, a, I'm an end user myself, so I'm, I'm very passionate about it. 
This is great. I, yeah, going into the other different products that you have, uh, I'd love to have you back on the line, especially maybe sooner than rather than later, because obviously archery season is just around the corner. And getting the people that uh, that knowledge and giving them a chance to know about it would be great. That would be great, and we really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, Dennis, I thank you for the time, and um, thanks. Uh, this was a great episode. I appreciate it. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, well, take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye. If you made it to this far in the episode, what did you think about it? I mean, Honestly, in my opinion, I did not know all these different uh, manufacturers had to pay out these licensing fees and then patent fees, and it seems like almost every single bow manufacturer is having to pay somebody something to create a bow. It makes you wonder, how in the world do they have even the capability to create something different from one manufacturer to another? It's surprising. It's incredibly crazy what they have to go through, but uh, it's impressive. I have to say that. Now, I haven't had the opportunity to shoot an obsession bow yet Uh, everybody's raving about it especially at the ata and i'm pretty sure they're going to make head spin when it comes to the 2016 ata show just the same but did you hear what he said about that matthews is coming back and i mean i'm going to confirm that when i speak with a representative of matthews which you'll hear in the next episode but you know learning about how Dennis and their company is creating the color fusion process, basically putting a tattoo on the bow. You can beat it, you can damage it, but yet it doesn't seem like it's taken away the, the camo, the texturing that you have on it. That's awesome. And I'll tell you some personal experience. I've been using my Matthews Adrenaline for over seven years now, and it was probably three years in when I started seeing the wear and tear around the finger grip area, just like what Dennis was talking about. It started wearing off, and right now I have spots on my bow that you're literally seeing the riser without any camo texture that's applied, and it's just getting worse over each year I'm using it. So he's got a point, and that's surprising to see that this new technology, not everyone's doing it yet. He's putting the extra cost. He's eating the cost, so to speak, to make sure that he has what is new, what people want. And how about him being completely honest about the problems they're currently facing in the company and what he's doing to try to rectify that situation. Usually when you speak with people, they want to tell you only the good things about the company. And Dennis, sure, he told you what was great about the company. But on top of that, he told you the bad things that they're dealing with. And that takes a lot of balls, I think. Um, So if you're listening to this and you thought, man, Obsession Bows is my next bow, I'm willing to wait three, four, five weeks for it. Right now, if you're thinking about it, you're going to miss out on a few opening season for archery. But if you're thinking, hey, you know what? I can have an early Christmas present or for, for next year. Maybe this is a bow for you. So here's some really cool news. We've just added to our website an ability for you to, to send us a direct recording a message, something that you liked about the show. and Or if you have a question and you want us to know exactly what you want us to find out, go to our page. You can see it on this episode on the right-hand side. Click it, send us a message, and let's try to find the answers that you're looking to have. And some awesome news. We now have 11 comments on our iTunes account. And it truly, it means a lot to us that you are taking the time to give us your feedback, giving us a five-star rating. 11 might seem like a small number, but to me, it's knowing that people are making the comments, people are giving us the review, and it's just helping us to get found better on the podcast through iTunes and different other podcast stations. Those things do mean a lot to us. So if you have a moment, if you could go to 
myboRush.com forward slash iTunes. Give us the five-star review if you think these shows are worth the value and or leave a comment and let us know what you think about the show because it does help us make this a better show. On to a brief blurb about our social accounts. I've been so excited to know that almost every single week now, Facebook, we're getting 10 to 12 new people following us. And it's thanks to you for sharing our episodes on your Facebook account with your friends. So please keep doing that because it's literally allowing us to organically grow this this group, this experience. And I appreciate that. And for the ones that are wanting to follow us on Instagram, I have to apologize. I have been really slow at adding images. I've been trying to work with it. I have one phone, I have two different Instagram accounts, and it seems to be really hard to find out how I can make a post that goes onto my personal Instagram, as well as having to either sign out or in sign back in specifically for the My Bow Rush Instagram account, just so I can post a different type of image. So I'm sorry that it hasn't been filled with a whole bunch of photos, and it really does look like that we're just not getting the traction that we're wanting. I think we only have 30 or 40 people following us so it's low but I am going to work really hard on getting that bigger I know I'm going on a little rant here and I'm going to finish this up pretty quickly one of the main things I've been wanting to try to push is that if you could share our show with your friends your family people you are on your social network accounts viewers are I would say the lifeblood of our purpose of even doing these podcasts and you know knowing that there's a new person listening in maybe a new archer that's just coming about or someone that is a seasoned archer and just wants to hear another idea or another side of archery, uh, bow hunting, I think that we have that. And please share this with your audience, your friends, your social group. I'd really appreciate it. And I'll end it with this. Guys, I am Travis Doe, your host of the Bow Rush Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time listening in on the show. I hope you tune in next week when we speak with Matthews Archery. And um, I think that's it. See ya.